before we get started on today, I just wanted to remind you to please leave a rating and review on the podcast app or the iTunes app if you are using an iPhone. It really helps spread the word and it helps other people find this podcast a lot easier the more good ratings and reviews we have. So if you're a fan, please, please, please take a minute and just do that. It would be so helpful. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shelby Schling, and this is Living Over Losing, unfiltered and unrestrained. Hello, and welcome back to Living Over Losing. This is Shelby, your host, and I am so, so, so excited to finally speak with Madeline Moon today. I'm so excited that you're here. Madeline is an author. She's also a podcast host, a retreat leader, and transformational life coach. She is a truly a guiding force for women who want to stop overthinking their lives and live with more trust, intuition, and flow. So Maddie has had her story and has, she has been featured in the Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thought Catalog, Nylon Magazine, The Daily Mail, Vice, Greatest, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline. So she's full of information. I'll let you kind of introduce yourself maybe a little bit better than I can, Maddie, but I'm so excited to have you here and thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, been, it's been a long time coming for us to finally connect on here. So I'm happy that we are finally here and you did a great job introducing me. Just to, to add a little more, I, I'm, I think you said this, but yeah, I've been doing a podcast show for about five years now. It's called Mind Body Musings, and my story started very similar to yours and where you've taken your show and how it's kind of evolving now. Mine was also very eating disorder recovery focused, body image focused, and it has evolved a lot today. So we don't so much focus on that on the show anymore, but it is an incredibly powerful topic and it deserves that attention and that love to be to be shared because we all seem to have this um, very similar journey of learning how to create what we hear now as self-love but it's really in its core self-acceptance so so glad to be here and to share my story with everyone Thank you. Yeah, I remember I heard you. Um, the first time I heard you was when I was listening. I used to listen to, or I still do listen to, the Recovery Warriors podcast. And you were a guest on there. And I listened to your story and I was like, I could really identify it with mm -hmm. it with myself. So I thought that was super interesting. So ever since then, I've been, <laughs> I've been following you and I just love your stuff. So I guess we can get started with that kind of just a, you know, a generalized however deep you would like to go into is fine. Um, just give us a, like a little bit of idea about your background. You mentioned that your podcast kind of started as an eating disorder, recovery, body image sort of podcast. Um, so how did you end up there? What, I guess, just give us a little bit of your background story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start in my youth when I was I would say, let's just say growing up, you know, not any specific age, but growing up, I was in a very conservative household, very black and white mentality. Um, reputation was everything. Like since I was a kid, who I was meant to be was already predetermined. It was, I never really felt like as Madeline, the four-year-old, six-year-old, 10-year-old, it was a perspective of who's Madeline going to be? I can't wait to see how she grows up. It was always like, this is who Madeline's going to be. There's no way else she can be. And if she's not this way, then she's not a representation of the moon household. And if I wasn't, then I, I absorbed a lot of messages of, of me being fundamentally wrong. And I'm not really, uh, I'm definitely not blaming anyone. Actually, I'm not blaming anyone because anyone that came into my life and played some sort of um, figure of authority, a parent, family members, anyone, they were only doing what they knew to do. So all I have is love, right? Like there are times where I struggle with giving that love, but all I have is love for the people who raised me, especially right now, as I can see, oh my gosh, they were just doing everything they could. So as I share the story, I like to share that so everyone can keep that in mind. I appreciate everyone for doing what they could and what they knew to do. That said, there was a lot of perfectionism being brewed in my household, a lot of um, punishment, reward, right and wrong. 
And when you feel as a child, especially that who you are, when you're five years old, who you are fundamentally is wrong, there is a lot of nervous system like wreaking havoc in your body because it's like fight, flight, or freeze. Find a solution. Be right. Be better. Be good. Don't be bad. We don't understand this as children. And heck, we don't even get this really as adults. <laughs> um, but for me, I really needed to find a way to cope with these parts of myself that I felt were wrong, felt were not allowed, and the pressures to have to be seen as the correct representation for the moon household. So to cope, I, I, as a young girl, had OCD. I would lock the door, unlock, lock, lock, unlock, lock, unlock. And then I would go to the faucets and loosen, tighten, loosen, tighten. Um, Mm -hmm. I had lots of really weird quirks, like food couldn't touch, like this and that. And as my control, my need for control developed and got even more uh, predominant in my life, it funneled into the one thing that the media points to the most for young girls, and that is controlling my weight, losing weight, looking perfect, being a Victoria's Secret model. And that's where I think a lot of people can resonate is when you take someone who feels the need for control and you also take the time and place that we are being raised, it makes sense that so many of us struggle with body image issues because we're trying to be in control and try to be doing our best and be seen as right. And that's the quick way we get that fleeting sense of satisfaction. So I found myself lost into the whirlwind of veganism, vegetarianism, raw food eating, like bodybuilding eventually. When I was in college, I used alcohol for my eating disorder of using alcohol to basically get sick. And I had had an exercise addiction, very disordered relationship with anything to do with fitness and in health. I just took it way too far. And then I did find bodybuilding, which to me at the time was like, oh, it's this perfect way for me to be able to control how people see me and control my food and still eat. And it was a perfect storm. It was a disaster. And I took it way too far, ended up losing my period, isolating myself, spending all of my youth inside, indoors with my little food scale and measuring cups and dry chicken breast until finally I got to this place where I was like, whoa, I am so, so freaking disconnected from what I like. Do I like movies? Do I not like movies? Do I want to date? Do I not want to date? Who am I? What do I like? I don't even know. I've shut off all of my intuition, all of my desire, and I've traded it for hardness and for armor. That's really what I was doing in its core. So it's, it looks, it looked at the time like just disordered eating patterns and a need for control, but even even further, further, further down next to the worthiness wounds and the need to feel worthy and not feeling worthy next to all of that was a complete resistance to letting go, being taken care of and being soft. I needed to be hard. I needed to be rigid. I needed to have armor. That's why I was so obsessed with looking like I had a six pack. It felt like it protected me. I was one of the guys because I didn't want to be seen as one of the girls. And like I had all this self-righteousness around being tough, being seen as a dude, being manly, not needing anyone to take care of me. And um, looking back, I think a lot of that revolved around me not wanting to seem helpless because to me, helplessness, I related that to my, what I had seen in my family. And I wanted nothing to do with that, to be a woman that was helpless. And so I refused I refused anything. I threw the baby out with the bathwater by just trying to be as macho as possible. And in reality, that made me as isolated as possible, as far away from my feminine as possible. And no, I was not in my masculine either. I was in toxic masculinity and toxic feminine. I was not in my masculine and I was not in my feminine. I was just this walking, talking piece of armor that was obsessed with taking up with as little space as possible in this world. So that is that part of my story in a nutshell. I eventually got to a state of mind after my second bodybuilding show where I realized I was done with the armor. I was done with the show and putting up um, this, this fake persona of of being so tough and I was tired of being isolated from people. So I put away all my bodybuilding gear. I moved into the mountains 
um, obviously I was desiring to go back to my feminine. I moved into the mountains. I moved into mother nature. I adopted a dog. I was listening to my desire to nurture something. I, um, just went inward. You know, the, the feminine is very inward. So I started going inward and, and took space away from people. So even without realizing I was going back to my feminine, I was even at the beginning of my recovery. When I finally let go, I naturally started to find myself craving more of the feminine, craving green and being, being just loved and seen by the earth. And that was about five years ago. So Fast forward to today, I've been doing um, hosting retreats and doing my podcast show, and I teach I teach women, I teach masculine-minded, perfectionistic women how to step back into their feminine flow. There's many, many different avenues to this, but that's my story in as small of a nutshell as I can make it. Wow, that was a lot. That was good. That was good for that the you. amount of time. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much in there. I just, it's so sad because you, like- See, that was five years, five plus years ago where you felt like you were in that space. And I just feel like you have so much to give and you have so much knowledge. And it's so sad to me that people like you and people like me and people like us, we don't even know, like you said, you don't even know who you are. You don't even know yourself. And that's exactly how I felt. I felt like if I gave up, I was really into quote unquote fitness and health too like over the top way, you know, took it way too far. That was my identity. And if I didn't have that as my identity, I didn't think I had an identity, um, which is so sad. So I'm still in the process. It's only been a year, two years um, since I've really like taken hold of my life. And so I'm still in the process of every day. It's almost like I find something new about myself or like I'm still becoming a new person, maybe not a new person, but the person that I should be <laughs> instead of trying to, I don't know, um, ignore everything that could possibly be wrong in my life or whatever it is that I'm not getting or whatever it is that I need, um, with an eating disorder. And what I think is so interesting too, is that in the moment, like when you're in that space, it doesn't, you have no idea. At least I had no idea that anything was wrong. I just thought that, oh, I just really am obsessed with being healthy. Like, I just really want to be skinny. I really want to be, I really want to look good. But really, in reality, like, that's just a coping mechanism and it has nothing to do with that. And it's crazy to me now to see that, to just, you know, and to hear so many stories like that. It's just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, to add to your to add to what you're saying so beautifully right here, also congrats, like two years is amazing. That's like fifty years in dog years for, <laughs> for eating disorder recovery, right? It's it's every day. It's it's um it it presents new challenges and it presents new opportunity to just sit and love yourself, you know. Um but to what you're saying, like uh, I forgot who it was. Is it Rumi or is it Osho? One of them, um, or is it A Course in Miracles? I don't know. But there is that beautiful quote of "The wound is where the light enters," and I believe that this is so true because we need these. We need our wounds. Our wounds are beautiful. Our wounds are an opportunity to break open and have that light enter. And what you're saying right now is that you're. You, you said that you are still in this period of coming to find yourself in a way, like explore and discover who you are. And that for me, I realized that I go through ebbs and flows of feeling really connected to who I am, to my purpose. And then boom, all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know if it's the planets going into retrograde or this Lionsgate thing or whatever, but I will absolutely go through then this shocking period of, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. Oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> okay, like who the fuck am I? Yeah. Like I will have a day where I'll wake up and be like, what the fuck do I want? Who the fuck am I? So it's important that I also don't get too attached to knowing who I am because then like the the period of exploration like ends, right? So True. it's even right now, whoever is listening to this and they're like, I don't know what I like. I don't know who I am. Well, guess what? Neither do really any of us. We get we get into grooves of things that we like, but I think it's important that when we go through these periods of 
feeling lost or feeling uncertain, I, I literally just did a podcast on this. So in, in the, like the last five few episodes of like me currently going through a period of uncertainty and for us type of people who are black and white, perfectionistic, want to feel in control, mm-hmm. it, it gets so exciting when we think we're done with this period of not knowing ourselves, and then we, but then we latch on to this new identity of now I know myself and everything is well and good. And what that really still is, is a need for control. Mm -hmm. You're just now latching onto this new version of you. So it's important to have two things exist at once. On one side, being in your personal power, that never goes away. Always having your personal power. No one can take that from you. The right to say yes, the right to say no, and the right to change your mind and to decide what you want. And on the other side, allowing the universe to know what's, what's better for you, what's best for you, and allowing yourself to go through periods of not knowing, you can still be connected to that, your consciousness, the part of you that's never changed. That's the beautiful thing about consciousness, that it's the part of you that doesn't change. It's the divine within you. So as long as you have that, you are allowed to feel lost and to feel confused and to to go with that ripple of life because that's really what that feminine is. It's still allowing yourself to move and to groove and to go with life while remaining connected to your personal power. I love that. And it's so true because it's so true. And I, I find myself doing that sometimes now. Yes. Because like I told you before, I identified as the fit girl. Shelb fit was my name. Like <laughs> everyone called me Shelb fit. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's, and then, so when you, aren't that anymore. It's kind of confusing. And then you kind of, I don't know, like you said, you latch onto something else and now you're like, okay, well now I'm this, this is me now, but you really, you're always changing. And really, I mean, that's, I try to steer away from that, but it's hard, you know, it's hard not to, to want to be, to figure it all out, but like, there's no way to figure it all out. It just isn't possible. Mm -hmm. Like at at, at once, at one time, there's no, there's no end to figuring it out. I, I think. Yeah. Thank God. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it really is a perspective change is what it comes down to. Like you can look, there's this really adorable um, graphic that floats around Instagram and in the, on the top half of it, it has this little guy and he like looks um, sad and it says something like, no one gives a shit. And then underneath it, it has the same little, the little guy, but his arms are like spread wide open. And it says, no one gives a shit with like an exclamation point. (laughs) And I think it's so true. It's like, you can look at it. Whereas like, I don't have control over my, over everything in my life. And then you can also look at it as I don't have control over everything in my life. Like, yay, it's great. It's just what we have to do is learn how to be in those moments of uncertainty and find personal practices that make us still still feel safe in that. And I'm one to talk, you know, like I totally, I totally get this. And I can give an example of something that I do um, whenever I'm trying to seek control and I've been called out on it recently because my, my nervous system definitely wants to feel safe. It wants to feel like I have the ground underneath me, but instead of just feeling my feet connected to grass, which is a very healing sensation, I go around and I try to, my OCD behaviors come out where I try to obsessively clean things or I try to tidy up everything or whatever it is. Like for some people, it's food. Like you go around, you try to measure food and all this stuff. But there are other ways to basically feed your nervous system and and help it associate being out of control with safety but it takes time and it takes patience and it takes lots of love and it takes being in both your feminine and your masculine. Mm. So that's something that I want to touch on. So we've, I've kind of talked about this before in other podcasts, but I know this is, you're huge on this and you have a lot of good information. So for anyone listening who doesn't really understand what the masculine versus feminine sides are, can you explain that a little bit and just kind of go into like how they can get out of control, how, you know, I think that's really interesting and I'm not sure everyone would, you know, might not know about it. Yes, absolutely. So I've been doing this work around the feminine and the masculine for about two years now. And I'm going to go ahead and preface this because I'm sure I'll be bringing in some of the points that my teachers have recently taught me. So for the past about four months, I started working with um, a woman named Kendra Kunov and a man named John Wineland. And they work under one of the godfathers of the feminine and masculine work. His name is David Data. 
So um, I just, some of the things that I might say are coming from their teachings and a lot of the things that I say are coming from my teachings and my learning. So I just like to throw out those names for anyone who wants to dive deeper into this work as well as learning about um, the feminine masculine for me. So um, the masculine in its core, in its core is consciousness. It is the part of you and the part of me and everyone else that has never changed. It is awareness. It is presence. It's basically like um, if, if, if anyone has ever experienced, it's a good real life example. If anyone has ever experienced going into a coaching session or a therapy session, the therapist or the coach is holding the container for you so that you can let go, you can cry, you can feel safe. You know that they're watching the clock. You know that they'll cut you off if you go out of control with your emotions and they'll bring you back if you start disassociating from what's happening. They're in the masculine. They are holding the, the container for you to have your magical, sometimes breaking down experience. That's what the masculine is. It's really that, that safety net. Um, some other ways to look at it, like this is important to mention, this is yin and yang, right? The feminine mm-hmm. masculine is yin and yang. The um, masculine is the yang energy. It's the action, the activity, the protector, the warrior. I love thinking about this. So the masculine is like the sun because the sun's very active, right? When the sun's out, we go out, we go play. We're, we're skipping in fields and blah, blah, blah. We're awake. Um, it's outward. It's a very outward energy. The masculine is outward. So think about the male genitalia. Outward, coming right at you right? It is not inward. Um, And so that's one way that people can think about it. It's just very like energetic energy. Yes. But it's consciousness as well. It's a warrior protector. Mm -hmm. Um, It's knowledge also. It lives, there's like knowledge and wisdom and, and you'll see, you'll see that the feminine and the masculine have no assigned genders. They live within all of us. I have feminine masculine, you have feminine masculine. So a lot of times people, when I talk about it, they're like, um, that is so sexist. But no, that's not what I'm saying. We all have this within us. When we do work around sexual polarity, so let's say you're in a relationship where you want more sexual polarity, you want more spice. Polarity means to be on the opposite ends. So someone is leading and someone is technically following or, or, or being willing to follow. That creates a lot of sexual polarity. Like having a man who is really stepping up and taking charge and a woman who is willing to lead and to be soft and to be loved, both of those positions are equal but opposite. And that really creates a lot of sexual polarity. So in the work that I do around relationship, I do say, you want to be in a sexually polarized relationship? Well, let's talk about you stepping more in your feminine so he can be more in your masculine and those fireworks can spark. Okay. Mm, so, that's so interesting. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'll get into that in a minute if we want to dive deeper. But yeah. I also want to get into the feminine side now. Right. So the feminine, so if the masculine is consciousness, it's the part that's never changed, it's the container and the awareness. The feminine is actually the energy that moves through it. David Data talks about the feminine being love light. The feminine is this very nurturing energy. And in its core, that's what it is. It's energy. We're not talking about the sun kind of energy of like the warrior, but just energy in general, like an ocean that's like vast and large and like gracefully moving, rocking side to side. Like it literally is energy and it's emotion. It's if, if, if we have a, 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 an energy that moves through our physical bodies, like besides the blood that's running through our veins, we have emotions running through our bodies. We store emotions. We have emotions in our hips. We have emotions in our heart. And so it breaks my heart whenever I hear people say, ah, I have too many emotions. Well, your entire freaking body is an emotional state that's constantly changing. And if you want to be in your feminine flow, that doesn't mean to go with the flow of life and to wave a white flag. It means to keep the energy in your body, keep the emotion in your body moving. It means not closing down, not closing your heart, not closing off. It it means to remain staying open. It means to stay open. Okay. So other ways to think about this, of the feminine, um, 
Mother Earth. So Mother Earth is creation. It is life. It is food. Guess what a woman's body is? Creation, <laughs> life, and food. We're breast milk. Like we are a physical embodiment of Mother Earth. And Mother Earth is nurturing. People go outside so they can feel their feet on the grass because it feels grounding. We, as the feminine, being in our feminine, we are very nurturing. Like our, our bodies are just full of warmth and love and wisdom. Um, the moon, the moon is the emotional side. So if the sun is like the, the basic ego and the brightness and the action, the moon is the inward nature of our hearts going inward, retreating, resting, feeling. Um, think about women's genitalia inward, right? It's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like we are these walking manifestations of yin. So um, that. That is a good breakdown of the feminine and the masculine, and um, it can go on forever and ever and ever. And it's important to know that our goal here is not to be 50-50. Our goal is to know how to harmonize these energies in any given instance. So if I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here right now with you, and um, I am... I'm very much in both because I'm in my feminine connected to my feeling of like, where do I want to take this? What I want to talk about? What do I feel connected to? What does this audience need? Like these are all very emotional things, Mm -hmm. but I'm also in my masculine because I'm being um, the leader in a sense of sharing this. And I have to be particular about the words that I use and, and keep it within the frame of the time that we have together. Like, so I'm using both, but the minute I close my laptop, maybe I go over to my partner and I want to feel sexually polarized. I want to let go. I want to be free. I want to receive love. I want to be like energy and maybe sway my hips for him. And I want him to like, mm, just ravish me and take control. And that creates a lot of those fireworks sparks. And that's not to say for everyone, I am not doing a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Talk about the different types of, um, uh, sexual energies that show up based because not, we're not always in the polarized state and that's totally fine. I'll stop there. Cause I just shared a lot. Right. That's so, okay. So <laughs> yes, that's why I think I've never, I honestly haven't ever, I mean, I've kind of researched, read, talked about masculine and feminine energies, but definitely not to the extent that you have. So I think that's super interesting. And it's like you said, it's in all of us. So all of us have both. Um, but what happens when, like, how do you know, how do you keep it balanced? Because like, I know for them being out of balance or if one is not necessarily showing up as much as the other, or if it's just super masculine or if you're whatever, it's, it's, um, things can get out of whack and that can affect your life and your, what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So like I said earlier, and I'm not calling you on this, but I do want to make sure it's very clear. We're not keeping it balanced. We're not okay, keep keeping balanced. it balanced. Just, yeah. I mean, but, but it, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, it's fine. You can tell me, but I just, there is, there can be issues though, if you're not in tune with it, right? Like if one is super overpowering or I don't know. Yes, absolutely. You know, 110%. So that's why I say that I work with masculine-minded women. I work with a lot of women that are very much in their masculine or very much perfectionistic. And to be clear, perfectionism, doing everything right, doing everything correctly, that's not really in the masculine. If you have this kind of if-then mentality of like, if I don't look perfect, then I can't live life. Like that isn't a masculine warrior. That's more of, um, I would say that's more of toxic femininity. And I don't want to go way too in this because it can get very confusing. Right, right. Um, All these different definitions. But sometimes what I'll see with people, a lot of times what I see with women is like what you're saying here, being very much into, let's say, um, let's say rigidity. Let's just use that. Let's get rid of the feminine masculine words for a minute but just very much into a rigid lifestyle. I have to make sure I eat this way. I have to make sure that my calendar is always on point. I have to make sure everything is in its special little container and box in my apartment. If one thing's out of place, then blah, blah, blah. Like they, they really struggle with 
um, control and giving up control, whether it's to the universe or to life or to their partner. And this can create certain types of issues. One of them being, um, you are overpowering your partner. Let's say that you are in a partnership and you're like, why don't we feel sexy together? Well, it might be because you're constantly trying to be the man and he feels disempowered. Mm. And maybe you have some resentment that he's not stepping up to the plate. So there's resentment, there's frustration, but yet you're not willing to follow. You're not willing to let this man lead you and lead you powerfully because you're too afraid he's going to fuck it up. Mm -hmm. Too afraid he's going to lead you poorly. You're too afraid that he's going to um, miss something on being on time if you give him control of picking up the kids or you're afraid that he's going to pick out a dinner that you hate if he goes and gets the dinner for y'all or whatever it may be. So you're constantly picking up the slack, so to say, and then you also resent him for not doing it himself, but you're not giving him the chance. So that's one issue that can pop up and then that can affect the sex life that can affect how um, intimate you feel together because he doesn't feel like he's in this role where he can, he can lead you and it'll feel good for him to lead you because this is a lot of the work that I'm doing, right? What I'm sharing right now about sexual polarity is a lot of the work that I am learning from Kendra and John because it is so, so deep. And one of the things that they have um, passed down to me and what I'm working on currently and understanding is that, so asking the question, like, why is all this important? Why is it important to do this lead and follow thing? Like for people who are brand new to hearing this, it can, can feel kind of triggering. Like I'm taking away the, the feminism movement, which I'm not. We are so, so in our power at all times to lead and let someone else guide you for a minute or two is not taking away your power. It's actually allowing you to finally chill out. Mm. That's what it is. It's saying, I don't have to do everything all the time. I can give up control. I can let go. And letting go doesn't mean you no longer have power. It means that you're just deciding that you're going to sit in your power elsewhere. And your nervous system, what we're talking about here with the nervous system, when you can start to let go and realize you can trust your partner, you can trust men, there are men in your life that do show up. Maybe it wasn't your father, but maybe it is your brother. Maybe it's not your ex-boyfriend, but maybe it's your current boyfriend. The more you can find opportunities to let go, the more your nervous system is going to start to, to associate and adjust. Whereas back in the day, probably in your childhood, um, maybe in your first marriage or whatever it might be, Anytime you felt you weren't in control, your nervous system freaked out because maybe it really wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for you to not be in control. Someone did massively drop the ball or you were hurt or you were abused. So your nervous system has this response of no control, fix, 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 fight, flight, freeze, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And so now you've grown you've stretched, you've healed, or you are currently doing all those things. One of the most beautiful ways in order to get back into your feminine is to be around select, chosen, masculine leaders who you do trust and you can let go with them and allow them to sometimes mess up because it will not be perfect. It will not be perfect. You're just now learning how to let go and maybe your partner is just now learning that he can lead. And so it's going to be messy and that's okay. Um, the important thing is that you sit with that and you keep loving on yourself while your nervous system is learning. Okay, I can relax. I can be calm. Because the calmer we can be as women, mm -hmm. the more everything. The, and I don't mean not having emotions. When I say calm, I mean the more safe we feel. Because for centuries, centuries, all of our answers, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, like I don't even know how long, but for forever, women were not safe. We're not, we weren't safe. Right. So we're just now learning how to calm our nervous systems from all of our ancestors who were never safe. And we're teaching them, we're teaching our bodies, we are safe to let go, we can be taken care of, and that's why it's important to do this work to, to one Make sure that you are surrendering and, and being, um, allowing yourself to let go of control with the right people. Have discernment. Don't just do it with someone who's going to abuse you because that is not helping your nervous system. So having discernment 
And also allowing yourself to feel, feel what comes up, feel in your body, like process your emotions. I'm so, so devastated at the amount of women I hear from that say, I can't feel my feelings anymore. They're in the way. Like, no, they are the way. They are the way to your healing. If you can learn how to feel your feelings and surrender to them and to find a way to feel safe with them, that's the healing. That's so amazing. That's so true. But so for someone that maybe is just diving into all this and they're totally like confused and don't, you know, it's just over their head. Um, how would you, how do you start to become aware of, of this? Or do, I mean, how do you start to change? Cause I know I'm really interested in this with relationships too. Um, because I think that's super, super interesting. And I love, I love what you're saying about the polarity and, and everything. It's just, it's really true and it's really eye opening. but for maybe two people that are in a relationship that maybe never even have heard of this, never thought about it, not even aware of it. Like how do you start to change the dynamic? Well, number one is give, give your partner opportunities to lead. Okay. So number one could be, um, even in the bedroom, you know, like, are you constantly trying to cover your stomach up or you're constantly trying to put a time on it or you're trying to constantly hold the container and make this happen and be in control and you're flexing your stomach and you're holding your breath. Mm-hmm. So uh, my question to anyone listening to this is how can you soften? What needs to soften more? Let's start in the bedroom. What needs to soften more in your belly? Can you let go in your belly and can you breathe while you're being touched? Can you trust him? Now remember, we're having discernment with the right man, the, the one that has earned your trust. Mm-hmm. Can you trust him? Do you have trust there? And you can trust him to love you gently, love you kindly, and you can soften your belly, soften your jaw. That's a huge one. For me included, I'm doing a lot of jaw work right now because I tense my jaw and we tense our jaws as a way to modulate pain. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women are walking around with extremely tight jaws because we've learned how to control our pain and not let it come out. And it's all stored in the jaw. So when you're in the bedroom, can you loosen your jaw? Can you like relax there? Can you let him lead? Can you trust him enough that he knows what he wants and he knows, he knows how to keep you safe during it? Can you breathe? Can you breathe? Mm-hmm. Um, but then outside of the bedroom, there's tons of instances like, um, one that um, Kendra often offers, she did talk about this on my podcast, and I think it's just a really great example, so I'm going to share it here. But she talks about how when we're letting our partners lead us and sometimes lead us badly, a really great way to start is simply like um, instead of telling them what you want, help them discover what you want by dropping clues. So let's say the example she always gives is like food. Like, let's say you want to go out to eat and and you're stuck in that very common um, situation where, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? Like we, as the women, a lot of people don't understand this. Like, even though we're talking about leading and following, we're actually kind of the leaders. Like we're totally the leaders. (laughs) We're not making it like in your face. We're the leaders. We're actually leading this spark. We're creating this sort of energy for them. So if you know what you want, let's say like, you know, you really want, um, to eat, um, Mexican food. Like what you could say to your partner is something like, Hmm, like, Hmm, I feel like something mm, ethnic. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. he might be like, Oh, Mexican food. How does that sound? And you're like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. Like get really excited and like reward him with your energy when he does it right. Like like being like, "Mm, I'm really, I, I could really eat right now. Eating sounds great. How about we go to dinner? Yes, that sounds wonderful. And then he might ask you, where do you want to eat? And like, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? And he might ask you again. I don't know where you want to eat. I don't (laughs) know. What do you want to eat? Like keep saying it like keep acting like you don't know because so many of us women are quick to say exactly what we want. And that takes away a really beautiful opportunity to start to train them, (laughs) train them (laughs) to lead and train ourselves to let go. Yeah. That's amazing. We're still sparking it, but we're letting go and we're giving them the opportunity. Um, 
I have, I have one more example and, and this is a way that I actually kind of messed up recently. And now I'm looking back in retrospect and I'm like, oh, that would have been a perfect opportunity for me to be in my feminine and not get triggered. So I was, I was really hungover and I was mm-hmm. with my partner and we were going to a restaurant and, um, my head's throbbing and he was like, do you want to eat outside or inside? And I just really wanted him to take control but I didn't know how to explain it. Like I was like so exhausted. He, he hadn't been doing any of this feminine masculine work at this point. And, um, and that's okay. It's totally okay. If your partner doesn't, you can still do this work. And, and this is how I messed up in this instance, but I learned from it. So he asked me and I was like, I don't know, you choose whatever you want. And we get up to the host and then she asks inside and outside. He looks at me again and says inside or outside. And I already answered. So I was so frustrated and I was like, outside. Like I was so mad and we go outside and I look at him, my arms are crossed and I say, and I really wish I was inside. Like I was trying to punish him. I was like basically trying to punish him for not deciding for us. And then I was making it known that, that I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with my own decision because I couldn't make my decision because I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. And so in that instance, what was happening is my need for control got so overpowering that um, I didn't just continue to, to let him lead. And I quickly made the decision because that's my instinct. Fine. You can't make it. I'll make it. Now, looking back, what I wish I had done, what I will do in the future is if I want to stay in my feminine and continue to follow, even when he's not leading, I just continue to say, I don't know. Like if he, even if we get to the hostess stand and he asks me inside or outside again for the second time, my answer again for the second time should be, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And not get, not get triggered, not get upset, not get offended and mad. He didn't hear me the first time. Just calmly, calmly say, oh, I still don't know. What about you? And then he might look at me and get frustrated and I might say, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you think? <laughs> and keep my arms uncrossed remember what we were talking about, like letting the emotion flow, not closing. Body language is a huge part of that. So keeping my jaw relaxed, keeping my eyes soft and not closing my arms. This is not easy. If this was easy, we'd all be doing it and I'd be out of a job, but it's not easy. So allow yourself to allow yourself to follow badly as they are learning how to sometimes lead maybe badly. This is going to be a, a messy process, but as long as you continue to come back to this place of, of I'm still in my personal power um, and I can also at the same time of being my personal power, allow myself this opportunity to lead and allow this amazing man in front of me, the beautiful gift of, of um, wait, did I say lead? I meant following. <laughs> allow myself to follow and allow this man, the beautiful gift to lead us. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's super important to, like you said, to in everything, like you could tie this back to, to with an eating disorder, to eating disorder recovery, to everything, just to not judge yourself. And I mean, we're all going to make mistakes. Things are going to go wrong. We're not perfect. Of course we're not perfect. Like no matter what we do, no matter how much we try, things are going to go wrong, but judging yourself for doing something wrong is just totally adding on to the the problem. Like that's not helping, you know? So you just got to be nice to yourself and kind to yourself. Totally. And it's, and that's hard too. (laughs) Like that is hard. I mean, especially it's hard to, it's hard to learn, especially for, you know, for like someone like me that for so long, I just was only focused on what I was doing wrong or what I could do better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And Matt Kahn is um Matt Kahn is this wonderful speaker and author and he has this really popular video that's called like soul contracts, twin flames and something something. Um I've received a lot of feedback from people being like, "I hate that." Some people are like, "I love that video." I don't know. So give it a shot and watch it. You might hate it or love it. I loved it. It was amazing. But one of the things he talks about in there is like these opportunities when we do quote, mess up or fail to do something right or whatever it may be, immediately check in with yourself and go, oh, it's time to love myself. Like in this really soft voice, like the way he does it is just so beautiful. Um, But that's what I do whenever I feel hard on myself. I go, oh, time to love myself. Like, or asking as a question, can I love myself even now? Can I love myself? Can I love myself? Sometimes I'm asking myself that like 10 times a day. Can I love myself? Oh, yep, I can. Okay. Love, love you, love you, Maddie. And then I move on. But I, it's, I think it's really valuable. Instead of just listening to a podcast on self-love, reading a book on self-love, 
I think it's even, it's like 10 million times more powerful to stop reading about self-love and just ask yourself that question mm-hmm. because it, it'll shift something within you simultaneously. You can't ask yourself, can I love myself right now? And not feel something shift. Something will shift there because you'll realize that typically in some way, yes, you can. It's always there. You're always available to love because especially as the feminine, like you are love. Your body is pulsing love. It's, it's creation. It's life. It's, it's love, right? It's, it's already there within you and in the, in the masculine as well. Right. So it's just kind of reminding yourself and bringing yourself back, kind of grounding yourself back. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I do want to shift gears before we end because I love something and I've never talked to anyone about this before on here or actually probably ever about acro yoga because I know that you're really mm. big into that, right? Yes, I love yeah, it. So how did you get into that and did it, how does that help with your like body awareness? And that also, what I love too is that it's usually or not usually, but sometimes with another person, right? So then that's kind of like doing this work physically. Do you know what I yeah. yeah. So acro yoga is always with another person. Otherwise oh, it it's okay. called yoga. <laughs> okay. I, I get confused with, okay. Acro yoga. So yeah, with another person. So it, that's even, that's even like more intimate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I started doing acro probably about two years now. Um, and gosh, it just took me away. Like I loved it so much because I definitely was raised with Southern mentality and like those Southern people are all about those big hugs with, with their own family members. They're not so much like that with strangers. And so I really like, I lacked a lot of physical touch from people who weren't my family. And I think that's, I think that's the case for everyone really. Like how many opportunities, like you don't just go around hugging everyone gently and rubbing people's feet and um, like doing tricks and trusting each other's bodies and all that, like growing up that unless you're in acrobatics Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's not something that's commonly known. And I found acro to be such a healing experience, particularly in the beginning with, with doing it with women, learning how to play with another woman, letting a woman lift me up, communicating with a woman. Um, the, one of the, there's so many lessons about acro we could go into, but something that I find really, really beautiful besides the physical intimacy I love the physical intimacy. I, I've been touched everywhere. I'm touched all the time, everywhere, and it's it's in a safe container. It happens within the practice. They're doing it because they're either trying to save my life or we're trying to do a trick. Um, consent is also a big thing in the acro community because lines can be blurred. It can get kind of confusing. I've never had an experience that I would consider to be um, crossing a line, but I've heard of things. So it's important that you, you feel very safe, you speak your needs. And, and that's one of the really awesome things about Acro that I found is a lot of it is based off of instinct. So you'll, you get more into your body for sure. I do a lot of flying and in, in Acro yoga, there's a base and there's a flyer. So that means someone is doing the supporting basically, or the lifting, and then someone's doing the flying or the surrendering. Um, there are times where I am completely upside down and I'm balancing. My entire body is just a stiff board being balanced by someone's fingertips and my head is near the ground. There are times I'm literally flying up. I do handstands on people's hands. Like there's just a lot of crazy stuff. And so it's good to have spotters, but it is very much based on instinct. So there's no time for oh, I'm sorry, but like, do you think like you could just move this one hand real quickly because like it kind of feels like it's it's maybe possibly in the way, but you know, if you don't want to, then that's totally fine. You can leave, like there's no time for that. So for, for women who oftentimes tiptoe around their needs and struggle with saying no or down or yes or move this, it's really helpful because in acro, there's no time for that. There is no time to tiptoe around your needs. If you feel unsafe, you say down. If you don't want them to do something they're about to do, like a certain trick or move you in a certain way, you say, no, that's it. Like just, nope. There's no explanation. There's no sorries. And so I find that part of the practice to be really beautiful is learning how to get back in touch with your instinct. And that helps you get back in touch with your body because you get to know what feels safe, what feels unsafe, what feels good, what feels bad. And 
uh, you know, I, at this level, I do a lot of high level tricks now and skills. So for people who are just now starting out, it's very unlikely you're going to be in any sort of danger. Like you might feel like oh, I'm off the ground, but, um, with the, with the starting point, it's very, very safe. And especially if you're doing it with people who've been doing it for a while, they know how to make you feel safe and they'll teach you some ways to communicate and learn how to speak about your needs, which is also so beautiful. Right. That's so important. And that's so important to just transfer into life in general. Like you said, like these lessons, these physical lessons from acro yoga, I never even thought of it like that, but that's amazing. Cause you could just, those are things that we need to learn and life for to deal with other areas of life to deal with all areas of life to be able to communicate our needs to be able to say what we need what we don't need what we want and that's hard and i think it's really hard for women and i'm one of them that it's hard for and it's been it's becoming easier as i'm working on it but i think that's that's really really interesting so i love watching i love watching your stuff on that yeah and i feel that that's a if you if you have if you develop a love for acro yoga you'll get over that very quickly um, and, and that's like, for me, that's one of my favorite things about acro yoga is cause I'm immediately trusting people with my body who I don't even know their name yet. Don't right. need to, like we have this common passion that, 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 um, creates connection already. And it is a built in community no matter where you go. Like I'm about to pick up and leave and I'm going to do the nomadic lifestyle for a bit and travel around the U S and I'm like totally not worried because I've got my community, my little pockets everywhere in every city I go in. Don't even know the names, don't know the people, but I already know that's like my, 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 my people will be wherever those acro yoga classes or jams are. And, and we're, we're a very welcoming kind. We are a very welcoming kind. We are not intimidating. We are, we, we love, most all of us love acro so much that when new people walk in that door, like we'll lavish you with, with acro yoga because we want you to feel comfortable and we want you to come back and we want to know your fears and we want to make sure you feel safe and we want to share what's made us so incredibly happy with you because feeling safe in this kind of intimacy with strangers is a gift. It's healing to be able to give your body and, and create something beautiful with another person in their body in a safe way. It is a gift and it will heal something within you that's afraid to be with other people, that's nervous, that's scared, and, and you can really only experience it by doing it. That's so amazing. I just, I feel like I could talk to you forever because you have so much knowledge about everything and I think you're so interesting. So I'm so happy that you came on the show. Thank you so much. Um, before we end, I do want to give people the opportunity to find you. So where would be the best way, like social media, um, to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm very active on, on Instagram. My handle is Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N Moon. My website is maddymoon.com. That is M-A-D-D-Y moon.com. And then my podcast, like I said, has been around for five years. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any podcast app. And that's called Mind Body Musings. And I do have a, I have three free gifts on my website. I've got a compilation of more than a hundred of my favorite books and that's maddymoon.com slash free gift. And there are a couple other gifts on there if anyone's interested. Awesome. That's amazing. So I will link all of that in the notes. And definitely anyone listening should definitely check out Maddie's podcast. It's amazing. There's tons of things to be, to be heard and, and learned. <laughs> so I know. Yeah. Thank you so much again for coming. Honestly, I know we've been trying. It's been a long time coming. We've been kind of going back and forth. And so I'm really excited that we finally got to talk. Um, and I love what you're doing. So keep it up because you're amazing and you inspire me. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so glad that we we did this. I'm taking a break from being interviewed on shows for a few months, so I'm glad that we got this in. I've been really excited to be able to speak with you. So thank you for your kind words and and everyone listening. I look forward to connecting with all of you. Thank you.